Get ready to step onto the field of life with Chad Hermanson, your host and certified life and performance coach. As a husband, father of four, and former Major League Baseball player, I understand the challenges athletes and parents face. In the Mental Edge Training Coach Podcast, I'll share valuable insights, strategies, and stories to help athletes shine on the field and in life. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. And if you're a first time listener, thank you for showing up here with me today. I am looking to take this podcast into a more solo shows, if you will, with some occasional interviews and just change things up a bit. I haven't done a podcast in quite some time and quite frankly, I missed it. I wanted to start doing some teaching and really simply talking directly to you. So I'm excited to talk to you one-on-one in these upcoming episodes. I'm also in the works to start working with a friend of mine, Donnie Roach, who is a former major league pitcher out here in Las Vegas. He's a Las Vegas native, and he approached me with some ideas on a podcast called The Baseball Lab. Uh, That's his personal company. So looking forward to being a part of that. So we plan to do some interviews with some exciting guests on the show, former major league players. We're going to talk about baseball what is happening in the development world of the game. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But a lot has happened uh, since I had last did a podcast. I've been doing uh, more personal one-on-one hitting lessons, helping develop hitters. And I've had some huge growth in my mental edge coaching business where I coach athletes on their mental game. And it really have just been having some amazing conversations with these athletes and helping them through their confidence issues, really maybe their insecurities, their anxieties, and really just helping them improve their performance and enjoy the game again. Another part of that coaching that's been really cool for me is and really also having amazing conversations with parents who hire me to coach their athlete. I've been able to coach around 50 or so athletes over the last 10 months ranging from the ages of 10 and up, mostly like 12 and up, but it's just been 12 up to college really, but it's just been really awesome, a lot of fun. And I just want to take the time and just really salute the parents that want to help their athletes succeed. And they're also aware that they want to or need to step aside and let someone else talk to their athlete, especially if their athlete doesn't listen to them as a parent. But it just like allowing that process to happen. So that's been a big bonus for me in this process to even coach parents on some of the things that they might be going through. And that might not even be baseball or parent to athlete related. It might be just happening in their life. And the reason why I've been able to do that is also over the last year or so, I, I went to school. I went through school. Now, not college, <laughs> but the life coach school. I had already had a a mental performance certification and I wanted to really just step up my game to, I guess, a different level and just go through a a different kind of training to add to that performance training where I could just coach anyone on any topic by utilizing this model that the school teaches and that I've been trained through. So that's really helped some of these athletes and parents understand that their, their personal thought process is more understanding the causes of why we're getting the results that we're getting in life, in sport in general. So what I've noticed so far with many of the parents talking to me 
about their athlete when I do these consultation calls with them is they all fit into the same categories. My, my son or daughter has low confidence, high anxiety, has no game plan, has some anger issues or even lacks motivation or some discipline. What I want to discuss today is more on the side of really the anxiety that our athletes are feeling. Now, this is something that I certainly had while I was playing um, in, in really certain aspects of my game without even realizing it. It really wasn't a word that was talked about back when I played. And it certainly would have been nice to know what that was and how could I work through that and really just understand it more. So let's talk about what causes pregame anxiety within us. So let's dive into that. And that's today's topic is what causes pregame anxiety and learning through that. So pregame anxiety, it's also known as like pre-competition anxiety, right? It's a really common thing among athletes. It refers to, right, the feelings of nervousness, tension, there's unease that athletes may experience that lead up to the competition, that lead up to the game. It's very future focused. So this type of anxiety occurs for several reasons and understanding these causes can help you address and just manage it effectively. So first I would like to address the parent to the athlete relationship and how it can affect the athlete in a way it, that it really doesn't serve the athlete. One thing I encourage is for you as a parent to avoid getting upset when you observe your athlete experiencing pregame anxiety, like you're seeing it. What happens is your negative reaction can have detrimental effects on the athlete's mental and the emotional well-being of your athlete. So when you react with anger, frustration, or disappointment, it can intensify your athlete's anxiety and make them feel as though they're letting you down or that their worth is solely determined by their performance. So that added pressure, it can aggravate anxiety and really hinder your athlete's ability to focus on the performance, performing at their best. I suggest to try to work on offering understanding, offering support, encouragement, creating more of this kind of safe, this nurturing environment as a parent where your athlete does feel valued and feels accepted regardless of what the outcome is of the game or the sport. So this approach, it can be the beginning stage of helping just alleviate some of this pregame anxiety your athlete can be going through. But it's also, it's going to, I think, foster a healthier, really parent-athlete relationship and promote more long-term emotional resilience in your athlete. So as your athlete gets older, of course, use your judgment on how hard you want to be on your athlete, especially if you're a coach of your athlete. And and understanding what benefit is it really to, if I'm really hard on my son or my daughter, is that going to help them or hurt them? Of course, you're going to use your judgment with that. Sometimes coaches or other parents have to call us out on that if we're being, if we're going over the top. But let's discuss here some of the key reasons why this pregame anxiety occurs in athletes. So I'm going to go through a couple of points here. But number one, let's talk about performance pressure, right? Just the pressure to perform. So often athletes are going to put pressure on themselves to perform well in the competition. They have high expectations, right, of their performance. They, they want to meet these expectations, not only of themselves, but 
the coaches, the teammates, the parents, everyone watching, they have this feel and this need to prove themselves. Okay. So that's obviously the pressure to perform. The other one, number two, would be fear of failure. The fear of failure is, is really a significant driver of this pregame anxiety. Athletes worry about making mistakes, right? Letting down their team or not living up to their own, really the other standards. So often these athletes are going to play safe at times. They don't let their true potential out and they're likely constantly feeling and playing scared. So that's fear of failure. Number three would be uncertainty. Competition, it can, it's unpredictable. Athletes can experience anxiety because they don't know what to expect from their opponents, what to expect the, from the game, the conditions of the field or the outcome. So this uncertainty is going to put them in what I call a constant lookout mode. They're always looking out um, for what is the worst that could happen. The next one would be a desire for success. So this desire for success can also generate anxiety. Athletes who are they're, they're highly motivated to win, they may become anxious because they want to achieve their goal so badly. These athletes tend to overtry and they often just play very tense. The, the desire for success is just so high. They don't know how to control that. The next one would be like physical symptoms, right? This can manifest like increased heart rate. We're talking like sweating, muscle tension, uh, a sense of unease. So these physical sensations can be uncomfortable and they of course can contribute to the pregame anxiety of this. So physical symptoms there. And then of course there's lack of control. Athletes can feel anxious when they perceive a lack of control over the game or their performance. So they're going to worry about factors beyond their control, right? The weather, the ref or the ump's decisions or the opponent's strategies, teammates, coaches, all the above. And they're so worried, but they're focused on the things they can't control. Another one could be social pressure. So the athlete can feel this fear of judgment or criticism, right? From the peers, the coaches, the parents again, and everyone else watching. So this fear of social evaluation, really, it can heighten the anxiety, particularly really amongst younger athletes, I believe. And then there's the social media aspect of it. So scared to make mistakes. If I make a mistake, man, this thing could be all over social media. The idea of being made fun of is it's not very appealing to most of us in general. Social media, I think, plays a huge part in that. And then, of course, there's like previous negative experiences, right? Any experiences there, a failure of embarrassment in competition, those memories can certainly carry over into the future into these future games leading to even more anxiety. So these athletes tend to dwell right on those experiences. So it's important to note, of course, that there's a certain level of anxiety before a game. That I think it's normal, right? You can, it can certainly be beneficial. I think it can also help sharpen your focus. It can increase some energy levels within you and improve that performance. But when it starts to get to the point where it, the anxiety just feels it's overwhelming, or debilitating, it can hinder the athlete's performance. And really what we're looking for and what as a parent, I know, like I want the enjoyment of the sport. I want my child to enjoy what they're doing. So understanding the, just the underlying causes of the pregame anxiety, it allows the athlete 
and the the support system around them. We're talking about parents, coaches, therapists, mental coaches, all of those people to develop really some strategies to manage and cope with this effectively. There's a lot of strategies I think that are out there. There's relaxation techniques, there's positive self-talk, visualization, setting some performance goals. I, at times, all those things I just mentioned, I, I felt all of those, I believe, through my career. And when you start to feel all of them and they seem to all mesh together, it certainly is going to take your focus away from what you're trying to do. And the odds of you performing well are going to go way down. And of course, the belief in yourself just diminishes. So let's talk about, for you as a parent, how can we recognize like any type of pregame anxiety within our athletes? I think you're going to play a very important role in recognizing these early signs. So just being attentive to your child's behavior and the emotions that they're experiencing, they're going to help a lot, allowing you to just more, you could say, maybe there's some timely support and intervention here to help in your athletes. Let's talk about what are you know some of the common signs to look for in your athlete regarding this pregame anxiety. Let's talk about number one. We have, there's physical symptoms. This can manifest physically. So again, watching out for symptoms like headaches, stomach aches, there's muscle tension, trembling, sweating. There's an increased heart rate, especially before and, and during these events. So there's physical symptoms. Number two, there's changes in behavior. So pay attention to any noticeable changes in the way your child is behaving. There's signs like of restfulness, fidgeting, there's pacing. Some children are going to be more even withdrawn or there's this irritability about them when experiencing this. So changes in behavior. Number three is there's performance decline. So there's a sudden drop in performance, particularly when your child has previously just played well, has performed well. So this decline, it can include just misplays, their poor decision-making, and just a decrease in the overall enthusiasm for the sport. Okay, so that's performance decline. Number four would be avoidance. Being aware if your athlete is avoiding the sports-related situations that could maybe trigger their anxiety. So things like refusing to attend practices, expressing reluctance to compete, or, or even to come up with excuses to skip games or events. They're in avoidance mode, so be aware of that. Number five is excessive worry. Paying attention to your child's thoughts and their concerns. If they repeatedly express worries about their performance, there's the fear of them making mistakes, there's concerns about letting down their team or their coaches. Okay, so they're just excessive worriness happening there. Number six is change in sleeping patterns. If your child is having some trouble falling asleep, frequently waking up during the night, maybe there's some nightmares related to their sport, this could certainly be a sign. I, I know for me to this day, I still have weird baseball dreams about me. It's always about being late to a game. I don't have my belt, my, my hat or my socks. Something's missing from my bag. And what's weird is I was always like an on-time player. In pro ball, they taught you like, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. So they're very regimented with the time, right? I still have these dreams. So be, be aware of that for your child. Change any type of sleeping patterns or nightmares. 
Number seven, of course, negative self-talk, right? Listen to the way your child is talking about themselves in the context of the sport. So if they engage in negative self-talk, they're expressing some self-doubt and, and are overly critical of their abilities. Be aware of that. Number eight, physical complaints. Some children are going to express these vague physical complaints before games or practices like they're just feeling unwell. They're not feeling good. They're, or they're dizzy. They're fatigued, right? These can be an attempt to, again, avoid any type of anxiety-provoking situations. Those are physical complaints. Number nine is going to be changes in eating habits. Changes in, there's appetite, including eating too much or even too little before or after games. Number 10 is social withdrawal. Athletes are, might withdraw from social interactions with their teammates or their peers. They might even isolate themselves before or after games to cope with this. They might want to be alone or something. Number 10, social withdrawal. Number 11 is inconsistent performance. Your child's performance may be inconsistent with certain moments of excellence, right? Followed by, again, back to periods of like underachievement and then... All of that is confusing, and so they spiral out of control emotionally. The anxiety can disrupt focus and consistency there. So inconsistent performance. And the last one I'll go through here is seeking reassurance. So that athlete that may seek this really excessive reassurance from like a parent, again, coaches, teammates, they might repeatedly ask if they're doing well or they're constantly seeking validation. But it's important to remember that these are signs alone. They might not conclusively indicate anxiety as they can also be associated with other factors. So just notice if the, these patterns are happening, what's happening with these behaviors. If you're seeing them happen, try to have some open conversations and say being empathetic with them about their thoughts, about their feelings and what they're experiencing. Of course, if you're like me and some of the experiences I've had, many athletes are reluctant to do that. And this is where you might want to reach out and seek some additional help here. So now that we have all this, we understand what pregame anxiety is and what's happening. Let, let's dive even more to what can we do for the coping part of it. Let's go over this kind of the coping strategies here, because I think it's important to make sure the athlete understands what anxiety is, how it feels in their body. What are they experiencing and what can they do to help work through this? But very simply, anxiety, it's future-based. So our thoughts think of the worst things that could happen. And those thoughts are going to lead to these feelings in a way of feeling nervousness, feeling that anxiety in our bodies. And when we are in this state, we try to perform and act through this feeling. And, and it feels like we're somewhat stuck and we're allowing our emotions to affect us and what we're doing on the field. Once we understand that part of it, of that emotional part, we want to take control and to get present in the moment and to learn how to keep our focus on what we want to do. What are we trying to do when we perform? So we want to get a hold of our thoughts and we want to get a hold of these thoughts that are creating this feeling of anxiousness and learn how to manage them. What we can do is we can, number one, start to reframe your thoughts to, to something that you can actually believe, something that's just more intentional. So practice those thoughts. When you try to change a thought to more an intentional thought, it doesn't feel natural at first. The first part of that is we want to observe and identify what is happening first. What are the mind traps? 
What are those thoughts that are happening that are self-sabotaging ourselves? What's happening that is stopping us or holding us back? Identify those thoughts. And then from there, we can work on reframing them because we want to reframe them. We want to get back to that present moment and learn, okay, those thoughts connect to our feelings and actions and, and also our results. So understanding that part in a simple way, anxiety is future-based and it's within our control, within our thoughts and how we're thinking about what is happening. Then the biggest part I think too, and, and really num one of the number one tips I think is learning how to breathe. We have to learn how to relax. And obviously breathing is one of the top tools out there, just relaxation techniques. But why does breathing work? So just very briefly, obviously with breathing, it's gonna shift the focus away from a shallow chest breathing. That shallow chest breathing is gonna be associated with with the stress and the anxiety to we want to get to the deeper, slower breaths that will activate through the diaphragm. So this is going to help us calm the nervous system down. It's going to help us reduce muscle tension and it's going to help promote just relaxation for us. Of course, there's many kinds of breathing techniques out there, but one thing we're going to focus on here today to keep it really simple is the 478 breathing technique. So how do we do this technique? So you can sit or lie down in a comfortable position. You're going to close your eyes and you're going to take a deep breath in through your nose for the count of four seconds. So you do that and then you're going to hold your breath for a count of seven seconds. And then from there, you're going to exhale slowly and completely through your mouth for a count of eight seconds. So repeat this cycle for a few rounds. I would say typically four rounds to start. So four, right, inhale for four, hold for seven, exhale for eight. So why does this work? This kind of technique, it's just simple, right? It's an effective relaxation exercise. It's gonna encourage slower, this more rhythmic breathing. It's also gonna help increase, they call it like the exhalation to inhalation ratio. It's gonna promote the relaxation and re reduce that anxiety by engaging in the body's relaxation response. The only hang up here is getting the athlete to buy in. That <laughs> is, is a lot of times athletes can be a little skeptical if they've never tried this before. For me, in being a former athlete and, and talking to athletes, athletes have nothing to lose when trying breathing techniques. You watch any game, when athletes try to slow the game down, you will see them take deep breaths to try to really regain and control themselves. So having that awareness, right, of your body and what's happening is huge. So if you can't control yourself and your breath, you're likely you're going to lose that battle. And these vibrations of the emotions that are inside of you, they're going to run all over the place. And what is happening in your brain is likely going to start overthinking as well. So treat learning how to breathe as a skill. Skills are important to learn. And with these new skills, we're usually not very good at them to start. And we must continue to practice improving in those skills. So really expect the breathing to be somewhat hard in the beginning. It might be hard to hold for seven seconds, as an example. But the good news is, right, you've been breathing your whole life. It already comes naturally to you already. So when you have those anxious thoughts about these future things, 
think you're going to start to get a little off going to practice that breathing. When can you do this? I'm going to encourage you as your athlete yourself, if your parent listening to this, I encourage yourself, do it too. So do this technique regularly, not just when, if, if you can teach them how to do it by you doing it yourself, that's going to be fantastic. I would suggest for your athlete to find a quiet space in the house to do this. This is something that they could do on their own. You can do it with your athlete. Probably the older they are, they're going to probably want to do it on their own is most likely going to happen. But set a goal. Start to do this, let's say, before bed every night. You're already in your room. You likely have maybe some type of nightly ritual happening for you. Simply adding a few minutes to what you're already doing is not that big a deal. So if you're finding it difficult to add something like this to your routine, you might have to give up something to accomplish this and to practice it. This should take less than five minutes a day. And it's very important, right, that you learn how to breathe. So while you're doing this breathing, what I also encourage you to do is to check in with your body and feel what is going on inside of you. Ask yourself, where do I feel tense? You can work on feeling like your breath is going into these areas that feel this tenseness and this tightness. And when you're on these exhales, you're letting out this tenseness in your body. So, so start paying attention to what you're noticing throughout that process. Because if you're like me in starting new things and developing new habits, I, I tend to do one at a time so I don't overwhelm myself. I like to give myself some time to insert what I'm going to do daily if it's going to be a part of my routine. For me, personally, this has allowed me to slow down, to start to develop more into a meditative practice, which also helps keep me grounded and to not get really too far ahead in my thinking. Okay. So the goal is to learn, again, how to be present, how to stay in the now. And anxiety, again, is all about the fear of the future and how our thoughts are leading to some type of negative outcome. Those thoughts are creating the feelings of being nervous. And when we feel that anxiety inside, our bodies react if, in more of a negative way if we don't know how to handle that. So again, I challenge you to get specific with scheduling a daily breathing routine into your life as well as into your athlete's life. So decide when you want to do that. Learning how to breathe better, it's going to show up when the game speeds up. If you're an older player or maybe even played in the past high school, college pro level, you can attest to recognizing how fast everyone is as you get older. We have less and less time to make the plays or swing in a pitch and recognize things. We have to also be aware of those high intense situations where breathing is very paramount. Obviously breathing, there's way more things that you could, we could discuss here, but I just wanted to keep it simple for this show. But there's other things like the visualization, learning how to talk to yourself in a more a meaningful, positive way. There are there's skills that require even some one-on-one -on -one coaching like tapping, right? Tapping away some of that anxiety. But start with this, the breath, right? Start with your understanding where your thoughts are coming from, recognizing where those are coming from, and then reframe them, and then practice a daily breath routine. We'll talk about other tools, other techniques along the way here. But I encourage you to get really specific on when you will do this, and stay true to your word. Stay true to when you have it on a calendar, when you have it there or in your schedule, your routine, get it done. Do your best there. So I hope this information was helpful for you. Hopefully it was simple and practical 
If you enjoyed this episode, please share this with your friend, with your athlete. And if you feel like your athlete even might need some more personal one-on-one coaching and attention, I'd love to talk to you first to see what's happening. I always talk to a parent first before I work with their athlete to see if it's a good fit. You can find more information out there at chadhermansoncoaching.com to learn more about how I can help you through that process. But thanks again for listening, and I will see you in the next show. Take care.